Tim, first of all, I'm so excited meeting you because my assistant, when I told her that I would be interviewing you, she, she said, oh my God, I've read all his books. So she is pretty, pretty pumped up, man. Oh, I'm excited to be here. You have, I'm just ecstatic. I've been a fan for so long. I feel like, in a weird way, people who read my books feel like they know me. I've watched so much of your footage. I feel like, in a way, <laughs> I know you. And uh, I've, I've studied your footage, preparing for my, my little, you know, amateur fights and whatnot. So it's been, it's, it's, I'm thrilled to be here. Well, I was trying to prepare myself for an incredible interview, in which I know it will be. But there's so much stuff on you. But let's keep it simple, okay? Yeah, let's let's keep it simple. <laughs> For our body, I mean, mm -hmm. what is the philosophy of that? What's yeah? How'd you get started with that? So with with all three books, first of all, the career was a complete accident. I mean, I never planned on being a writer, but I always wanted to teach because I had a few teachers and coaches who really steered me away from some potentially very bad paths and onto good paths. And it turned out that uh, the books were a vehicle for that. So with the four-hour work week, the four-hour body, the four-hour chef, all I do is try a thousand things and try to find the 20% that get 80% of the results. So what are the 20% of the activities or the 20% of the tools that get you 80% of the, of the results that you want? And an easy way to find breakthroughs is just by asking, what if I did the opposite? You know, what if I did the reverse of of best practices. And I've had a lot of fun doing that, whether it's experimenting with, uh, certainly with the human body, you can find some just tremendous breakthroughs by uh, self-tracking. And um, I try to be the guinea pig so my readers don't have to uh, in a lot of ways. So that could include the very simple stuff, like uh, let's say 30 grams of protein within 30 minutes of waking up is something that I've used with some really obese people to get them to uh, Ricardo Arias this week should be crossing 200 pounds lost. He's one of my readers. Never met him. Never did any coaching or anything. Just from following a few dietary rules. In a period of what? In a period of, uh, I believe, 12 to 18 months. Uh, it, typically, people, if, if they have, if they're, if they're very obese, they can lose, typically, uh, I would say, 20 pounds or so the first month. He's down to a point where I think he's losing 5.8 pounds a month. He tracks it pretty closely. And uh, what you see is, uh, uh, I know I'm meandering a little bit here, but when you, because people call me a showman, right? I'm a bit of a showman, or that's a, maybe a, a generous term. Uh, and I think it's important, like P.T. Barnum, to kind of sell people what they want, which is, let's say, three pack, uh, you know, six-pack abs or fitting into those genes. And the side effect is I've had people who've been able to cut their insulin down uh, by half as type 1 diabetics uh, or completely change their, their blood profiles, but it's hard to sell people on that. It's not, uh, you have to sort of Trojan horse it in, but that's... But why do you think it's hard? I think it's hard to, uh, to, to persuade people using abstract, uh, abstract long-term goals. So whether it's health or let's just say cardiovascular disease, things of these type, uh, things of those types, uh, it's hard for people to visualize. Whereas when I give them something really concrete, which uh, certainly if it's related to money or sex or any of these sort of primal drives in, in certain ways, makes it easier, I can, as a, as a positive side effect, change all of these things that I wanted to change in the beginning. 
Uh, and that's just the game of behavioral change. Like, how do you get people to floss, right? Like, if you can figure that out, you can figure out how to get people to do almost anything. Uh, or how, you know, how do you get someone who's always been overweight to stop one habit, like having a super triple, quadruple gulp of, of Coca-Cola every afternoon at 2 p.m. or whatever their, their routine is. Uh, and if you can figure that out, then you could probably teach them how to learn Spanish. Or I just like. But you know, you're so right with that because I tell you, um, it took me a long time. Because even now, it's tough for me to floss. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I go to my dentist uh, every two months to get a cleaning, yeah. a severe cleaning, severe. Um, <laughs> what are you What are you eating? <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem. Grazing. That's the problem. I don't really have a diet. I don't really okay. have a diet per yeah. se, but I. I I guess I eat in moderation. Yeah. But I, I believe people want instant gratification. They want yeah. it like yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. Start a program. Yeah. They want to lose 10 pounds tomorrow. Yeah. And I tried to I tried to avoid that for a long time. Meaning what I would tell people is, look, if you're going to train, for instance, when I was in college, I had a lot of friends who wanted me to help them with their resistance training because I was a, just a, a biochemistry geek and I would study all that stuff. And in the beginning, <laughs> I just remember taking one of my roommates to the gym, not a physical guy, not an athlete, uh, more of a mathlete. And uh, <laughs> the first thing I did, I was like, all right, we're going we're gonna, to uh, do a very short session. And I know you're busy with all of your coursework, so we're going to do all of these exercises to failure. And all you have to do is repeat this twice a week. And so I just remember taking this guy to failure with something called a trap bar deadlift, which is just a miserable exercise. It's not fun to do. And I took him, it was like high repetitions to failure. And the, I thought the guy was going to puke. And of course, <laughs> he never had a second workout. Uh, he never came back. And I was like, well, he's just lazy, or he doesn't have the willpower, or this isn't for him. And what I've realized is taking that kind of purist approach, the hardline approach, you can convert maybe to 5% of the population who's willing to, to follow that tough love. But if you want to capture the, the broader population, you have to start with something really small and really simple. So for instance, when, um, when I'm talking to people who have a lot of weight to lose, uh, or even if it's like 20 pounds, um, I'll, start them with, I'll, I'll start them off with the, the 30 grams of protein within 30 minutes of waking up. I won't try to change their meals. I'll just start with that one ad. Once they do that, then I'll change the diet over, let's say four to eight weeks, no exercise. I'll say, you don't have to exercise. And then I'll layer in the exercise. And um, oh, but why? Why do you hold up on the exercise? I'll tell you. I'll tell you why. So, because I'm I'm so fascinated by this stuff, I get really excited about it. Uh, I've looked at a lot of research, and they look at different studies where they they measure the abandonment of different habits. And uh, one of the examples I like is looking at helping adults who smoke, let's say older than uh, over the age of fifty by using tools like texting, it fails because it's two new behaviors. It's quitting smoking and texting. And using one at a time, one small change at a time, you can create this domino effect that, that gets you the end result that you want. And I think that's part of the reason that people fail, for instance, when they try to learn to cook or learn a language, is if you look at cooking, you think of it as one thing. But let's say, uh, or what I had done historically, like five years ago, 10 years ago, I find some recipe that I want to make. Great, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. Go to the grocery store. Takes me an hour because I don't know where anything is. Then I get home, prep time. I've never prepped, I don't have any knife skills. Takes me an hour. Okay, then I cook, don't know what I'm doing, takes me an hour. And then cleanup takes, who, you know, God knows how long. So it's actually four or five new behaviors. 
like learning four or five new sports or four or five new languages at a time. Of course you fail. It's too much for, uh, for, for really anyone to adopt at one time. So the way that you conquer that is you break it down into each of those pieces. Let's say you remove the shopping by having it automated in some fashion or just limiting it to like four ingredients. Then you remove the prep by choosing recipes that don't require knife skills. Then you limit the actual cooking time to say four minutes or five minutes of hands-on time. And then you use like disposable, recyclable bamboo plates or, or paper plates for the first few weeks so that you remove the cleanup. And by breaking it down like that, you can take someone who hates something such as cooking mm -hmm. and get them to the point where they're cooking for four to six people at a time just to relax, which is crazy. Uh, but for something especially that you have an aversion to or a natural fear of like swimming, in my case, my left lung doesn't function very well. I was born premature. I had to break it down like that. Uh, and that's, you know, it's embarrassing to admit, but like I said before we, 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 we came in here, uh, I only learned to swim a few years ago after growing up a few minutes from the water. I mean, I was there my entire life, couldn't swim properly. It's wild, it's wild stuff, but. But what, you know, I think it's a, an incredible thing. I think it's a wonderful thing. It's what I've, what has made me who I am today. I excel because I want to. I want to be yeah. the best. I want to be, you know, I'm, I'm like a perfectionist Yeah. when I was in the ring. But you seem to have that same drive in everything. I mean, I, mean, I read upon you and it's like, what haven't you done that you have not succeeded? Oh, well, there's a lot. There, there are a lot. Now, I, I think that if you look at anything that I've succeeded with, for instance, uh, let's, let's look at languages. Uh, if you look at languages, there's a lot of failure until I hit the point where there was a line suitable to put into my own bio, right? I'm really good at writing my own bio, too, which helps a lot. <laughs> but it's an important skill. But in elementary school, high school, I failed to learn Spanish. I mean, I couldn't string sentences together, but I was, I was forced to take it. So I con concluded that I was bad at languages. So I failed for a very extended period. And it wasn't until I went to Japan as an exchange student, which was my first real trip overseas, which blew my mind. And I, ha I was in a sink or swim situation with Japanese that I took all these odd unorthodox approaches and learned Japanese. So now I speak these different languages, including Spanish and Mandarin and whatnot. And people are like, oh, he's really good at languages. That's really impressive. I'm like, but you missed everything leading up to the point. All of the failures that were the feedback that led me to the point where I actually had something to talk about that was positive. So all of that, oh man, I mean like the tango, right? I did the Argentine tango and competed in the worlds and all that. Oh, so many embarrassing moments. So many humiliating moments at the, the dance halls, the milongas in Argentina, getting berated and yelled at by old men who were embarrassed by my horrible dancing, like my, my sheer presence. But you were never discouraged. <laughs> you never let that stop you. I, it did, I didn't let it stop me. I, I, I think I did have the discouragement. I mean, I had moments of disappointment and embarrassment, but I really try not to take myself too seriously. And I try to find it, uh, I try to find the failures s s amusing on some level. I mean, the fact that like there's a 70-year-old guy in a suit dancing with a gorgeous woman, like forcing me off the dance floor because I'm dancing like a caveman. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's kind of hysterical in a way, you know? And uh, I, I try to, 
I try to treat it as feedback. And I found, for me personally, my mom put me into kid wrestling when I was about seven or eight because uh, other moms had said that was the best way to exhaust me before I got home. I was a hyperactive little kid. Uh, I found that sports really inoculated me in a way against the fear of failure because you're always failing. I mean, if you're not training with someone or, or a team better than you are, it's very hard to get better. And uh, I found that because I've had to push through that with sports and just incorporate everything as feedback, each time I made a mistake, it made everything else a lot easier. And I think people can do the same thing by building that into their own lives, having some type of, I think the physical is so important. It's really easy to work. It's, it's quite effective to work on your inner game by working on your outer game, I think. It, it, it goes both ways. Uh, so that's been very instrumental for me. It's pushing myself physically as a way f- to, sh- to sharpen what's up here. And I look at you and uh, on what I've heard from you uh, reminds me of myself because I'm an optimist no matter what yeah. it is, Tim. Yeah. No matter what it is. Yeah. Even with, when I fought back in the day, Tommy Hearns, I was down uh-huh. in the uh, 13th round yeah. losing. I never gave. I never gave up. Yeah. I just and you seem to have that same kind of you call it a gene or whatever yeah. that that thing. Yeah, the stick to itiveness. I think there's uh, there's I think there's there's there certainly could be a genetic component. But I had a wrestling coach, John Buxton, in high school, and uh, and Mr. Buxton was incredible. If you look at the wrestling team that that particular year when he really dedicated himself, uh, quite aside from all these other responsibilities he had at the school, he was raising the endowment and doing all these other things. They've all gone on to do pretty interesting things, almost every one of them, and they all credit Mr. Buxton. Because when, when we wanted to quit, when we felt broken, he was like, you're not broken. You've got plenty left in the reserves, <laughs> so get back on the mat. <laughs> and he just pushed us past these thresholds of comfort that we all had so many times he would say to us he would say 10 years from now 20 years from now you can look back at this when you're ha- when you're experiencing something difficult and you can say to yourself wasn't as hard we had these exercises what they call them oh, they, were, they had some really dramatic name like blood pits or something <laughs> they were hor- horrifying where we just had to do if, we're, if our competitions were let's say you know six seven minutes long these matches and then we would go for 21 30 minutes and rotate through opponents he was like, you can look back and say, no matter what I'm going through right now, that was harder. And I think that's provided me with the confidence to try to come back in the 13th round. That was a gnarly fight, too. He's got long arms. No, without question, without question. <laughs> I just, in fact, I just got off the phone with Tommy Hearns, just prior to coming over here. Um, when, and I always use boxing as a metaphor, yeah. or fighting as a metaphor, because I think we all are fighters, even outside the ring. But how do you instill in people that that desire to to push forward, to work hard, mm-hmm. to win, to to succeed? I mean, how do you how do you so the the way I try? No, it's a it's a really good question. The what I've realized coming back to your point you made about instant gratification, people all want instant gratification, and I think that's part of of human nature in a sense. People want positive reinforcement, and I try to provide people with early wins. They can be small, but I want to give them a little bit of momentum so they can see a reward for the effort that they're putting into something. And take something like, whether it's swimming, Spanish, cooking, kickboxing, judo, whatever it is, 
and give them one or two things based on what I perceive are their strengths that I know they can pick up quickly. And then I'll say, all right, you see what you just did? You just did two weeks of tango in 20 minutes, okay? You can do this. It doesn't have to be hard. You just have to be smart about it and you have to apply yourself to where you can get the most leverage. And they go, oh, wow. So I'll have them do something. I won't tell them what they're doing. Sort of a wax on, wax off kind of thing. And then I'll say, all right, what we just did in 15 minutes, that would traditionally take you two weeks or two months or whatever it is. Do you still think this is hard? And they'll be like, no, but exactly. It doesn't have to be hard. Or I should say, it doesn't have to be complicated because I'm sure you agree with this. Well, I shouldn't be so presumptive, but uh, there's a big difference between um, simple and easy, right? So something can be very simple, like trap bar deadlift to failure with a lot of weight. <laughs> it's not easy. And so I'll, I'll just try to point out, like the road doesn't have to be complicated. Now you know what you have to do. And I find that, po that, that positive reinforcement, the early wins are really, really, really critical. So I try to layer that in, like with, with any book that I have, to provide a lot of early wins in the first, let's say, 100 pages, so that by the time they get to the really important stuff that I know they're gonna give some pushback on, they feel like they can tackle it and they don't push it off. Um, that's been my experience. Uh, God, it's so surreal that I'm sitting here talking about that. <laughs> I gotta, no, it is. It's just like, <laughs> I wish my mom were sitting here watching this. We, we, we should, <laughs> we yeah. should. She, I, so I just have to tell you, the, because this is a little odd, I think, that my mom really got me into boxing because when she was in college, the, the, the mom, the, uh, the sort of chaperone of the dorm was this older woman who had really bad hearing. And, but she loved boxing. So she would watch boxing late at night in the, the sort of main common room at like a thousand decibels. And none of the girls in the dorm could sleep when it was fight night. So they would just come down and watch the fights. And so my mom got really into boxing. She was forced to watch it and then she started to love it. And uh, sort of introduced me to, to a lot of, uh, you know, the, a lot of the greats that I, I still have you know, posters up and whatnot, Joe Lewis and everything else. And uh, that sort of planted the seed for everything that came after it. So it's this it's is cool. So listen. So while we're still talking here, someone get her get mom on the line. <laughs> Anyone has a cell phone? Uh, I have a cell phone. Yeah, I'll turn this on and see if I can get. I can get see mom. if I can see if I can get my mom on the phone. But you, you, you love you you love. I mean, very few people love their job, but you love your job. I do. I've been very, very fortunate. I mean, I, I to take this, you know, some would say scattered, obsessive fascination that I have with so many different subjects and to, to have had the opportunity to turn it into a career of some time is, is really incredible to me. And I think it's something that would have been very hard to do even, you know, 10, 20 years ago. I think technology really helps that really allows me to, uh, to use tools like the blog or, uh, or otherwise to get incredibly important feedback from my, my readers and my fans, for instance, about what works and what doesn't. Like the, the chapter on swimming in the four-hour body was originally tested as a blog post, and I saw people being able to replicate it, you know, print it out, take it to the public pool and use it, and they provided me with feedback that then I incorporated to make it better and better and better and better so that by the time it made it to the book, I knew it was foolproof. I knew it worked because I tested it on a few thousand people. And uh, I do love what I do. I love teaching. I love teaching. I mean, I, I never thought it would take this form, but. You know, it takes a special person to be a, a teacher, a trainer. Um, 
someone who's uh, give someone directions because it, it takes a, a sense of patience, um, understanding, and there's a passion, there's something, and it stimulates that person. Um, I can show you how to win, I can show you the tactics or strategies to win, but I can't train you. you yeah, I yeah, can't yeah. train, and it takes us, I think what you have is a very special Thank uh, you. gift, without question. And for you to uh, try so many of these uh, activities, if you will, what is the political asylum? Oh, that was that was that was a, that was a really fascinating experience for me. I worked. This was between. Let me get this right. Ninety nine, two thousand. I took a year away from school. So when I went to college, I was on the I, I was on the five year plan. I took a year away from school to, among other things, test different jobs in different sized companies because I didn't I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, and I felt like I was going to get. At what po how old were you then? Oh boy, my arithmetic is off. Uh, well, let's say 2012. So that would have been 20, early 20s. Yeah, okay. 20. And the political asylum research was, uh, it was a small group, two or three people in an office, and we would, this is how it worked. People would file for political asylum in the United States. People were uh, persecuted in other countries for, let's say, their race, religion, sexual orientation, whatever it might be, political orientation. They're being persecuted in some cases, killed, uh, families have been uh, exiled or, or murdered. And to, to successfully get political asylum in the United States, they would need experts to testify to what they call the meritorious nature of their application, meaning, yes, this is legitimate. And so my job was to find experts, PhDs, professors, and so forth, who could testify to the veracity or not <laughs> of someone's application. And I, 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 it was a fascinating job. I had to stop after a while, though, because there were some people we just couldn't help. And it was just such an emotionally punishing thing to have these people in these horrific circumstances that we weren't able to find experts for, for instance. But uh, it, was, it, was a great ex it was a great experience. Wow. Don't, re don't regret it, but boy, it was taxing. A very, very taxing experience. Wow. Yeah. Let's get mom on the line. Yeah, let's see if I can get mom on the line. So, <laughs> never done this. This would be pretty hysterical. I hope I hope she picks up. Let's see. Out of all these, what would I call these? Uh, yeah, it's, projects, it's, it's really hard to. It's, what do you, what would you call these? <laughs> it's hard to make sense out of my <laughs> my bio. I, I don't I don't envy but you which, having to take which, a look at it. Which one? Oh um, boy, yeah. Which, did you enjoy uh, the yeah. most? Oh, the most. Yeah. Which was the most stimulating? Or have uh, boy, that's really tough. You know the the um, anything that that gave me an opportunity. Let's say the tango is a good example. To solely focus on one goal and one goal only, mm -hmm. I find always to be the most enjoyable to me because it's, ex I read about an analogy, this is used in politics quite a lot, and uh, it applies a lot to my life, I think, and to many people's lives, and that is, you know, the lion can eat field mice all day long. The lion can get his fill eating field mice, but <clears throat> the lion is built to kill antelopes. <laughs> if you can kill the <laughs> antelope, it takes more effort, 
but then you can feast for, for a number of days. And you know, in your life, you need to focus on the antelope and not the field mice. You can spend all day hunting field mice. And uh, when I'm solely focused on something like the tango, and when I did the tango, I mean, I took it really seriously. <laughs> I know it sounds funny because I'm built like a monkey, but the ta- I did tango six to eight hours a day, videotaped almost everything, cataloged all the videos and techniques. Oh, but do you have an instructor to teach? Oh, yeah. I had, I had, I had tons of instructors, okay. but I like kind of auditioned my instructors without them realizing it because I was analyzing their teaching technique. And did they know what they knew? In other words, like, what they were really, could they analyze what they were really good at? Because people who do something for their entire lives, not always, but oftentimes it's so second nature they have trouble teaching it. Just like it's trouble for, let's say, I, I couldn't teach English, no way. I'm too close to the material, right. I can't see it. Uh, so when I'm able to solely focus on something like that and ignore any email, any phone calls, any requests, anything that is unrelated to that singular goal, I find that so relaxing. People are sometimes, they'll ask me, like, aren't you exhausted all the time? Like, how can you just go stay full, full bore with blinders on all the time? And my answer is, I only get tired when I'm focusing on too many things or trying to focus on too many things. When I'm on one thing, like, that's why I love competition. And I'm not saying... I'm, I'm the best at anything in particular, but I love competing because it's like there's a deadline, there's a goal, and if you ignore that, you're gonna you're gonna be road roadkill. I mean, <laughs> like that's gonna run right over you. I love competition for that reason. It's not because uh, I'm averse to to failure, or have anything to show off or anything like that. I love competition because it forces you to focus and pick pick what you do on your to do list and also your not to do list. I just love it. Should we call my mom? Yeah. What's your mom's name? Fran. Hi, Fran. We're trying to locate you. We're trying to communicate with you. <laughs> let's uh, let's try this. This is gonna be. Yeah, I hope she, she picks up. You think she'll be surprised? <laughs> I would say it's a fair assumption. Yeah. <laughs> hey, mom. I have somebody who wants to say hi to you. Hold on one second. Hello, Fran. Hello. Fran. Yes. Sugar Ray Leonard. Hi. How you doing? Oop, did we just, Hello? Did we just lose her? She, was, she might have been so excited that she'd get cut Are off. Are you still there? <laughs> he has spoken so highly about you. <laughs> Are you still there? Yeah, can't you hear me? Oh, now I can. <laughs> I look. Right. I look forward to meeting you one day, okay? Oh, she's she just must be killing her. <laughs> <laughs> hey, mom, can you can you hear me? <laughs> We're having some d- tech get difficulties, or maybe you just choked up. But I will I'll, I'll call you back later. <laughs> maybe what was that? Maybe he should wear a cup. <laughs> Did she say that? <laughs> I'm not sure what the context is. I need to. I don't know. Well, that's that sounds like a challenge. A cup for what? Oh, yes. No, I know it's related to his profession. Well, I think we missed, we got the punchline, but we missed the beginning. <laughs> I think my mom thinks she can take you. She probably could. <laughs> All right, mom, I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll call you later. Bye, friend. All right, love you. Bye. That's, it's nothing like mom. She's, pro- huh? she's probably referring to some fight. It wouldn't surprise <laughs> me. She's like, you remember the 12th round? When you were sticking out your chin, you should have been. Yeah, I've done. You know. Yeah, this has been so special to me because you you are the embodiment of what needs to be done to be successful. Thank you. Well, that's you know you're the model. 
Well, I would say that uh, that's that's uh, extremely meaningful to me. Thank you. I mean, I aspire to be as good at teaching as you are what you do and and what you have done. So, well, it's proven you've done an incredible job, man. Oh, thank, thank you. you so much, Tim. Oh, it's been my pleasure. This is a huge highlight for me. We spoke to Fran. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs>